My next guest is Stephen Tahal, and he is the account executive in partnership marketing at the NHL. Steve, thanks for doing this, and welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thanks. It's always great chatting with you, so it's really a lot of fun. Steve, walk us through why you wanted to work in sport and where you're today within your career. Yeah, no, I like to think I, uh, I I got kind of lucky with that, you know, Canadian kid sort of, you know, dream job story a little bit. Um, you know, obviously growing up, you you want to be around hockey and you want to play and you want to be drafted first overall. And then, you know, you want to score the, the Stanley Cup clinching goal in overtime of game seven on a breakaway kind of thing. So, uh, you know, that's always a dream. Obviously, pretty early on, I, I realized, you know, not a great skater. So that playing career wasn't really going to pan out too well. You know, kind of pivoted a little bit. You tried to get you know, got pretty good at NHL on the video game and being a GM. So I figured, all right, let's go that way. You know, I'm going to be the next GM of the Leafs and, and help bring a cup home. Then obviously, you know, your, your buddy from Brock there kind of took that job away as well. So I had to pivot again. But, you know, really, I, when I went to school, I, I became a big fan of just kind of the, the business side of things and, and learning about that side of the industry, you know, learning about partnerships, things like that. And then just kind of want to pursue that. So I think I, uh, I don't know how great of a salesman I would be to, to really do the sales side of things. But once the contract's signed and, you know, the money's exchanged and they just need somebody to jump in and kind of handle the ideas and handle the marketing and just kind of handle the relationship, I think that's where I'm at, where I shine a little bit more. So kind of want to kind of go down that path and then, you know, work through the OHL and, and did it there working with some partners, you know, uh, did some work in Sudbury for the Wolves, then in Mississauga for the Steelheads. And then once the NHL, you know, I saw an opportunity there. And I, again, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of stars aligned, but eventually made the jump to the NHL in partnership with marketing and kind of, you know, obviously want to kind of keep growing in my career, but it, you know, it's very close to the dream job at the time being. See, what's the comparison working with an OHL hockey team to NHL league office? Is there, is there any similarities or differences? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a, there's a lot of both sides. Um, you know, obviously the differences are, are, are fairly straightforward. I think, you know, the OHL, um, you know, junior hockey, it, it's big in Canada, but it, it is a little bit more regional. Um, there are, you know, smaller staff, smaller budget, things like that. So I found when I was in the OHL, and I think most people in the OHL have this experience. And, you know, obviously, I, I guess, I don't know how much we teed on at the beginning of this, but if, if, you know, if the listeners don't know how we met, uh, you know, Vince came to us in Mississauga, you know, as like a 12-year-old wonder kid that wanted to kind of come and shadow somebody for a day. And, you know, popped in and was, you know, threatening for our jobs on the first day. But uh, obviously kind of got to come in and see, you know, the wide variety of things we take on in the OHL. So I was working in sponsorship and sales. So that entailed, you know, ticket sales and, and sponsorships, uh, you know, partnership management, things like that. But also, you know, I would do graphic design and I would write press releases and I would, you know, throw on the mascot suit over here and there. And, you know, DJ games, it, a lot of roles you can wear, a lot of hats you can wear, I guess, uh, a lot of roles to take on. So I find the OHL, you stretch yourself a little bit more and you do a lot of different things. You know, jumping to the NHL, um, it's obviously very, very, very focused. So in partnership marketing in the NHL, um, you know, my job is partnership marketing. I, uh, I don't have to do the graphic design of things and I don't have to write press releases. I think, you know, if I, if I wanted to, I'm sure I could, you know, put it forward and see if they, if they take me, but we've got a, a much bigger staff, obviously much bigger budgets than, you know, the you know, top professional hockey league in the world. So I think that's where the differences start coming. Um, obviously the league office, uh, you're working for the entire league versus a club. So, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs have their own sort of, uh, you know, partnership marketing team where they work with specific leaf partners and, you know, they can put uh, a Leafs logo beside, you know, Tim Hortons logo and people in Toronto will eat it up. Um, on our side, we're, we're really representative of the entire league. So when you see Tim Hortons, the official copy of the National Hockey League, uh, in Canada at least, you know, that's what we work on where it's it's the national program. It's a little bit of a bigger scale. There's obviously the regional offshoots, but 
that that's sort of the level we work at. And again, you know, the budgets are bigger, the brands are a little bit bigger. At the end of the day, though, again, going back to just kind of the similarities, it's still partnership management. You still need to be able to to jump on and chat with somebody and understand what they're looking to do. You have to be able to kind of work with them and you know look at their ideas. You know, you prepare to provide your own ideas. You really have to work as a team in that sense. And I think it's just that's the part of the skill set that that doesn't change. I mean, you still need to be good and be able to work with people. I think is the biggest part of our role. So. Uh, at the end of the day, when it comes to partnership marketing, whether it's in sports or just in sponsorship in general, I think that's where the job becomes a little bit more similar. But but again, obviously the NHL versus the OHL, uh, there's a little bit more uh, a little bit more money flying around, so the idea is a little bit bigger. <laughs> Steve, you mentioned the Missile Steelheads, and I think it was like six or seven years ago, and I did an internship with Landmark, and it was so weird going into the office <laughs> because I thought of all the memories with the Steelheads, and then. You know, a couple of years later, that was with Landmark. So it is to <laughs> have both sides of it, it was like, oh, wow. Well, well it, it was also, it was, it was pretty funny because I guess, uh, obviously, Elliot, you know, shout out to Elliot, who owns, obviously, the Steelheads and Landmark. He, he uh, wh- when I first started Mississauga with the team, you know, first we came to Steelheads, we had separate offices. We ended up combining to one big office, you know, a few years down the road. And I, I just remember it being, being pretty funny because the Landmark guys are, I, I don't see they're any more professional than we are, but. You know they're they're doing their jobs. They're going in. They're working hard every day. You know, hammering it out. And, you know, we're going to have a little bit more fun. You know, you know, yelling across the office and you know, shoot hot dogs around the office. So I, uh, I to this day, I, I feel bad for those guys that came in to, you know, hopefully continue their regular work day and get us kind of flying around and throwing you know mascot heads on and running around the office a little bit. So <laughs> <laughs> it's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, what what are your day to day tasks and responsibilities at the NHL? I'm going to give you the most cliche answer that you're going to get on this, and you'll probably hear from everyone in every role. But really, you know, really, no two days are the same. Um, I think there's a lot of similarities day to day as far as you know. You need to be on top of things. You need to be on your emails. You need to be on top of the conversations. But um, the majority of our day is just it's kind of talking to others. So whether that's talking to your partner and and you know their account rep to to hear what they're doing, whether that's talking you know you're talking a new marketing campaign, so you have to interact with legal. So we're on the phone with our lawyers and, and figuring things out that way. Um, you know, some days it's it's a consumer product that's launching. It's a you know we have our quality control team looking at something. So at the end of the day, I mean, it, it's a lot of the majority of the day spent whether on email or on the phone or on Zoom. Uh, you know, obviously <laughs> we used to be on face to face a little bit more, but you know Zoom Zoom kind of filled that void. Um, it's a lot of interacting with people and a lot of kind of, you know, staying on top of your emails. But, you know, that's kind of where at the very base, that's what it is. But then what those exactly entail every day is completely different. You know, depending on what campaign we're working on, what partner you're working with, you know, what the new priority is. Um, those always change. But at least we know that we built a pretty good base of knowing, you know, who to go to in what department or with which company. So um, just, yeah, a lot of conversation, I guess, would be the day to day. Is there any skills you learn, Steve? Uh, throughout this whole experience with the National Hockey League that maybe you um, have approved upon from in the past? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, um, again, just being a little bit more focused in the role versus, you know, having to kind of jump around and do a lot, a lot more things. It gives you time to sort of fine tune the skills that are specific to sponsorship. So again, whether that's just conversing with people or, you know, trying to think long-term and think big picture things, look at different, you know, things that are happening in the industry. I think, you know, before coming to the NHL, when again being the OHL kind of stretching a little bit thinner, um, you get you get good at a lot of things, but not really great at anything. So, you know, when I left the OHL, I could you know I could Photoshop a picture, write a press release, 
you know, sign a sponsorship deal and then put up a dashboard and then, you know, DJ a game. Whereas now I don't have to worry about, you know, the four other things. I just have to worry about, you know, working with partners, you know, helping to develop ideas, you know, keeping on top of media uh, trends in the marketing world, things like that. So I, I think really it's, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything new that I've developed, but I think you definitely fine tune your skill set a little bit more and, and become just better at a lot of things versus being kind of okay at a lot of things. How do you manage relationships with corporate partnerships within your role? You know, it, again, it's just a lot of open communication. So it's a lot of kind of being on the phone, hearing their ideas, you know, kind of oversharing our ideas. We might have a partner come to us and say, we want to work on a new a new program and, you know, we're going to launch it next year in, in you know, October at the start of the season or, you know, whenever that may be. And they may say, you know, what ideas do you have for us? Like, what can you come back to us with? So, you know, we might jump into a room with, chat with our legal team, chat with our quality control team, our, you know, our consumer team, our events team, whoever it is, just get a bunch of people together, kind of start having conversations, trying to develop an idea. Uh, we might build out a great plan and then go back on, a, on the phone with that partner. And they may say, say, they might say like, hey, you know what? Like, we came up with something. We don't need this anymore. And we're like, oh, well, you know, there's, there's a couple hours down the drain a little bit. But um, I think it's just the open communication. I think as long as you're talking to your partners, you know, talking to your reps, talking to different contacts, and everybody stays on the same page, it makes it a little bit easier, obviously, when you're juggling many different departments. So, again, whether, you know, legal might look at something one way, whereas sales might look at another way. And, you know, our consumer team might look at another way uh, versus our internal marketing team. So everybody's got, obviously, their own insights. So it's really just, I, I think, in my role, what we do the most of is kind of bring different ideas together, bring different opinions together, and then just almost package it up and bring it back. So as much as we're trying to contribute, we uh, a lot of the time, we like to play, we're, we're sort of glorified middlemen at times, where it's just, let's talk to as many people as possible, get as many insights as we can, and then package up and bring it back to the partners. They appreciate it more, because at the end of the day, you never want to have, you never have to be going back to somebody back and forth on the phone, you know, four or five times when you can say, you know, one email or one conversation. So, um, again, the, the, a lot of the fun is working with all the different departments and getting their insights. And I think that's that's one piece of advice I offer to everyone is, you know, when you're starting out, do as much as you can, because you never know when that sort of familiarity is going to help you out later on. If you can understand, you know, why an events team does something different from how a sales team does something, it just helps paint a better picture and, you know, makes it a little easier to communicate. Steve, how's the collaboration with working with multiple NHL departments? Because I'm assuming everybody has to be on the same page to reach the yeah. ultimate goal. No, absolutely. And I, I think the more the more familiar you get with the departments, the, the easier it becomes. And I mean, I don't want to say it's ever easy because obviously I'm never going to understand the law like a lawyer would. So, you know, we obviously would look to them to kind of, you know, manage risk and things like that. Um, you know, the same way with an events team that's putting on an event, you know, we can say we want to see our partner branding, you know, all over the building. But the events team might say, well, no, like, that's not how this works. You know, our sales team might say, no, we got to this with other partners. So, I think just working with them more and more, understanding what their goals are and what they're working towards helps to sort of deliver a realistic, you know, package back to a partner. Um, again, I think the more that you can kind of work with others and understand what their goals are, whether it's to, you know, sell this many more sponsorships or, you know, fill this many more dashboards or have this many, this many Kit Kat bars at a party kind of thing. Once you can understand all that, then it makes it much easier to to just kind of put it all together and and take one package back to a partner or, and kind of go on with it that way. Because people, the more you kind of get to understand the different things that go into everything, then uh, I think the better the better suited you are. Even learning about uh, fellow employees, Steve, that's the most interesting part for me is to learn about everyone's different styles and philosophy and, and insights because everyone is different and no one's the same. 
Oh, 100%. And even whether it's people you work with, people that you just kind of know in the industry or people that are just like, you know, just your friends sort of thing. I, I think it helps just to talk to people and get to know what, you know, what makes them tick and, and you know, what, what their experiences are. Because at the end of the day, I, I've got to stop making the joke, but I always make the joke that the job we do isn't, it's, it's not that hard. I mean, you need to learn how to work with people, how to talk to people, how to, you know, just be a good listener, be a good person more than anything else. I mean, at the end of the day, you can learn how to, you know, you can, you can learn Photoshop and you can learn how to, you know, approve a, a campaign that's coming in or and things like that. But, you know, if, 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 for lack of a better term, if you're an asshole along the way, nobody's going to work with you anymore. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, the more you can work with people, the more you can talk to them and get to know, get to know them, the easier it is to communicate, the easier it is to relate to them. And it just makes the understanding so much, so much easier. And, and you can probably do a lot, of, a lot more, you know, just knowing people and knowing what their expectations are versus kind of guessing or assuming. Everybody says, Steve, that the industry is uh, really big, but it's actually really small because everyone knows everybody. Absolutely. I think, you know, obviously I, I've been watching the show a little bit and as much as I want to, I want to get to know Jack Armstrong. I know you had Danielle on from LLC and, you know, we obviously don't work together directly, but whether it's being around the building or, you know, being on LinkedIn or seeing a campaign they're putting to market, um, you know, everybody kind of gets to know each other, if, if not by face, then at least by name. Um, and, uh, you know, the upside to that is that whenever you want to make a move or jump around, you know, you can kind of build up a good stable. People understand your work. The downside is that, you know, if you go in and you don't, you're not great to work with, people also hear that too. So I think, I don't want to say it's a double-edged sword because at the end of the day, as long as you're being easy to work with and being a good person and always work with others, I think it benefits you quite a bit. But yeah, if, if you kind of go down the other road on the other side of it, then, you know, people hear about it as well. So I forget who said this quote, Steve. But I always like think about it and the person said, uh, reputation is everything. And that's... No, it totally is. And I think, you know, your, your reputation, your attitude, like your, your work ethic, that's what will carry you through. Because at the end of the day, I mean, again, another another joke that I got to stop making because it, it kind of sounds bad on the industry. But um, at the end of the day, you know, we're not, uh, we're not doctors. We're not on the front lines. We're not, you know, we're not saving the world by any means. We're, we're, we're helping hockey. You know, hockey's going to happen whether... You know, if I'm not there, hockey still happens, kind of thing, right? So you take a step back, you get to understand that you know, like you're not going to make or break anything. But you know, having a good attitude, having you know, willing to work, that like that's what you know your legacy sort of is, at least in, in this industry. Where um, you know, if if I was to leave tomorrow, the NHL definitely wouldn't shut down. But you know, I would hope that if I left, they they miss me a little bit because I was I was hardworking, right? So that's all you can really do in a role like this, and it, it's true if, if you. If you go in and, and you work hard and you have a good attitude and you build up a good reputation, that'll travel. But but again, on the other side is if, if you uh, if you don't want to work and you kind of sit back and, and people don't want to work with you, then you know that reputation will carry you through as well, right? And people will hear that. So always, uh, it, it, it doesn't hurt to try to be a good person, right? So <laughs> I think that that's that's probably the, that's that's probably the best advice I can give anyone. And it's and it's a long term game, right, Steve? Like it, it takes a long yeah. time to build your career. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's where I like to say that I got, uh, I, I got very lucky and I got, I got, you know, there were very many bounces along the way that I caught in my favor that, you know, if something had gone the other way, maybe not, maybe it wouldn't have worked out this way. I mean, I was, I was very lucky at having interned in Mississauga. I didn't really just take a step back to have worked with the Wolves and then had that opportunity to take that experience into the Memorial Cup. And then from there, you know, get to Mississauga, timing worked out where somebody left the role in Mississauga as I was finishing up an internship and, I was able to jump into that role. And then again, if, if one of those things along the way doesn't happen, then I, you know, I, I probably don't get to where I, where I am at the moment, but 
it's true. It, it's tough to think that you can kind of cut out and just have it all sitting there for you. Again, I, I got very lucky of going to school interning, getting the job in the way they tell you it'll work. But for in most cases, that's not how it is. You kind of have to grind your way up a little bit more, whether that's networking or talking to people. But again, that all comes back to, you know, your attitude and, you know, the kind of reputation you built for yourself. Um, because, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe you don't get something right at first, but a few years down the line or a few months down the line, whenever it may be, somebody might remember your name and, and that might be your ticket in, right? So, you know, we'll, we'll go back to you where, you know, when you came in at, at 15 in Mississauga, like whatever that was seven, eight years ago. But, you know, when when I see an email from you come through, or I see a message from you come through. I mean, I, I, I open up right away, right? Because you, you kind of, you built that reputation from obviously a, a younger age than I was. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, those are the kind of people you want to, you want to keep in touch with. Thanks, Steve. Send emails and you just hope individuals like yourself to be like, okay, you know, I'll do this for 20, 30 minutes to have a conversation <laughs> about the sport industry. And that's kind of how it came about. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you're in university, when, when I was in university, at least, they always drove home like network, 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 like whether it's the alumni network, whether it's people you, you may have worked with. Um, it's also, it may come from places you don't even think about, right? Like I started out my first job. I worked in a, I worked in the kitchen at Montana's like naked ribs. I would jump out and I would serve here and there, but it's one of those, like, you know, when I was working there, I met people that went on to become bigger chefs. I met people that went on to become actors. I met people that, you know, are, are doing nothing now. So you get all sides of it, but you never know when you, when you want to be able to kind of reach out to somebody. So getting in touch with people, talking to people, it, it never hurts. Um, Cause I mean, selfishly, you never know what point down the line you might need to call on someone, but you know, obviously on the other side, they, they can kind of treat the same way, but the earlier you get to it, and it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, starting out, like I was not a fan of networking because I, I didn't really know what to say or what to do, but sometimes it's just listening and, and having a familiar face, that sort of thing. Right. So, um, you know, I can't stress that enough The build, the bigger you build your network, just the more people, the more experiences, the more things you can hear about, the more things you can learn about. And ideally in the end, the more people that can help you out. So I worked at a paint store one summer, Steve, and I actually <laughs> met four industry professionals while doing the job <laughs> what uh what paint store did you work at <laughs> uh, it's called paintscapes it's, it's uh clarkson road okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> worked there for a couple months like in the summer and it's just and I, I met all like i met soccer coaches i met hockey coaches <laughs> at, at minor league levels and i'm like I'm like wow so you really with sport you can really meet anybody anywhere right absolutely my my uh the reason i asked is, is my my draw in the paint industry is just my uh, the first sponsor I ever sold and the first deal I ever worked on was uh, Deluxe Paints in Mississauga. So, uh, you know, I'll always, I don't know if it's even a paint industry, but yeah, it's, it stays close to my heart because it it's kind of one of the first ones that helped me out here. Steve, is there a process or specific goals in helping to achieve marketing campaigns to customers or consumers? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that there, there definitely are. I think it comes a lot more from I mean, I I can speak to it for my role. The success or, you know, reaching those certain goals is dictated by your partner. So, you know, Tim Hortons, for example, might come in and say, you know, we want to sell X amount of coffees this year. So here's what the campaign be. On the other side, another partner, you know, like uh, uh, Bridgestone Tires might come in and say, we just want people to know, we want them to associate us with hockey. So we want an average awareness score of this. So two very different goals. Um, but ultimately it's dictated by the partner at the end of the day, they're the ones that are, you know, it's their brand that's going forward. Um, you know, obviously at the NHL, we, we look to help push that as much as we can and use kind of our fan base to help grow their businesses as well. But ultimately it's up to them. If they decide that they want to do this amount of sales or have this many people see them or just do a goodwill campaign, it comes from them. And once they told us what they want to do, then that's where we would work with them. So if, if we know that, 
you know, this is a completely made up example, but if a company comes to us and says, hey, we have to sell X amount of these things, uh, we want to sell, you know, a million in two months, but they've only been selling, you know, a thousand a month, then kind of want us to be like, hey, like, I don't know if there's a campaign that can do that for you, but, you know, maybe look at it this way, or, you know, maybe it's an endorsement with a player here, or maybe, you know, you buy on NHL.com for a few days, you know, whatever it is, you obviously try to help as best you can. Um, and then obviously look at things realistically because we know our business and we try to learn our partners' businesses. So I think, you know, we, we never get an outrageous aspect that anymore, but um, it's really just, yeah, once, once they've outlined, you know, what they consider success, then we'll try to use our outlets, whether that's through digital or broadcast or media, whatever it is to just to do what we can to help them use our brand to kind of, you know, amplify their brand. See, once I went to a Toronto Maple Leaf game and I saw the big, uh, I guess, deodorant, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right by the Zamboni and it was like attached to it it looked super cool <laughs> yeah it's uh you know what it's some of those things that that you remember right like I'll always think back to the OHL and I want to say okay I just not remembering as much as, as well as I wanted to but there used to be like you know Danny's would sponsor the Zamboni that was like the Grand Slamboni I think my favorite was uh one of the teams of the OHL that's no longer the OHL but they had their power play or sorry, they had their penalty kill sponsored by Aren't We Naughty, like the adult store. And just it would be like, you know, here's the Aren't We Naughty penalty kill. And, you know, family-friendly team prevailed a little bit, so that kind of went away. But it's one of those, like, the fit might not have been there, but it's definitely memorable. So, you know, some brands might decide that's what they want. They want kind of the shock value. They want the they want to go viral. So, you know, if that's a goal, then, again, I, I don't know. I think from the NHL side, there are, there are some brands we'll work with. There are some brands that we probably wouldn't work with. So I think, again, we would try to do our best with a partner to, to try to help them out. But obviously, you draw the line in some places. But um, Yeah, the line, as you mentioned, Steve, that's, that's the one that you don't want to cross. Cancel culture and whatnot, there's that line that you can't go over. And uh, that's what I've noticed within the last couple months. Absolutely. I think just everything going on, I think that's become a pretty big thing. And just, you know, brands are always looking to, brands want to toe the line, right? And I understand, like you want, you want it to go viral. You want people to be talking about it. So you'll see an ad that, you know, probably, you know, sometimes their ads are just like, okay, that's a little bit offside, but it gets you talking. So, I mean, awareness wise and drawing attention to the brand, it definitely does the job of that. Is it good attention? You know, maybe not all the time, but again, every brand, every brand has its own risk tolerance. They know what, you know, what they want to sell. Campaigns that I think we've all seen in has been awesome is like, you know, Sick Kids Hospital. They do like the Sick Kids and, you know, basically creating superheroes where I think a lot of the time you think of a hospital, you think of, you know, children undergoing treatments and, you know, it, it's kind of that sympathetic. You feel, you obviously you feel bad, um, you know, you, you want them to all be healthy, but then the way they flipped it on its head, it's like, no, these guys are superheroes. Like they're better than healthy. It's like, this is awesome. Like that's, it's a little bit unexpected when it first came out, but it's been awesome to see. And it's been like an amazing campaign. So, you know, sometimes you can, you can pull that off and it, and it works out, but you know, obviously sometimes there are other campaigns that, that don't quite work that way. So it's just, it's, it's obviously knowing your brand best and knowing what your goals are. And then, you know, ideally you can kind of keep it, you know, you can keep it proper that people will see it and, and react to it properly and not, you know, turn on you right away. But obviously, you know, sometimes you try and fail a little bit, right? So <laughs> part of the process. See, let's on, let's end on this. What is your most memorable experience so far in the sport industry as a professional or a fan experience that you might have? Interesting. All right. Well, I'll give you the fan experience first. Um, my most memorable moment, and I know that, you know, we're Toronto or Mississauga is this podcast. You know, you know, I, I think I know who your listeners are a little bit. So I'm going to flip it on its head a little bit. I, I'm definitely not a, I'm not a big Toronto Blue Jays fan. I'm actually a diehard Boston Red Sox fan. So I'll always say my biggest fan moment was uh, I wasn't there, but I just remember watching on TV in 2004. 
not even winning the World Series, but just coming back and beating the Yankees. You know, those four days in October, it was, uh, you know, down three nothing in like the eighth inning where, you know, it, it looks like it's over. And then, you know, Dave Roberts gets, David Roberts steals second. And then Ortiz hits it. And, you know, we'll see you tomorrow night or we'll see you again tonight. And then just kind of wrote it out. And then, you know, 2004, obviously the Sox broke the, broke the curse and won their, the World Series. So I'll say that's my favorite fan experience that I, I remember watching. Obviously, in person would have been, uh, you know, being in Jurassic Park for the Raptors last year. I mean, they're still champions, so we can still talk about it. But uh, I would say from the fan side, those are definitely my, my, my favorite fan experiences. Working in the industry, I'll, I'll say my favorite industry experience would have been uh, 2017. We did the Bridgestone NHL Winter Classic. So we were out in St. Louis, and that was my – that was really my first, you know, I had been to other NHL events. That was the first one that I really felt more a part of. I was working on our Bridgestone business at the time. It's obviously there. It's, you know, it's the hallmark regular season game uh, on the schedule. Bridgestone being the title partner and working with Bridgestone, it was, it was cool to kind of really get involved with it. Um, but just going to St. Louis. And at the time, you know, the team, you know, the fan base was incredible, but they were so thankful. You know, we'd walk around in an NHL jacket and people would stop you on the street and, you know, thank you for coming to, to St. Louis and bringing them the game. Or, you know, I remember we were giving away a couple pairs of tickets, just, you know, randomly selecting fans and, you know, seeing a family kind of break down crying because we'd given them hockey tickets. It's like, you know, that's the experience. Like it's, you know, it's not picked up and it's not getting covered so much in the news or anything like that, but, you know, see people genuinely appreciative and, you know, seeing how sport can change people's lives a little bit. I think that that was awesome. And I mean, we've done events since then. They've all been awesome. You know, St. Louis on the whole is obviously, you know, at that point, they're just happy to have a game. Then they're, you know, now they're winning the Cups and hosting all-star games <laughs> being all over the place. So, obviously, it's evolved there. But I like to think, yeah, back in 2017 to the Winter Classic, to actually interact with the fans and seeing how thankful they were, that was incredible. And that was like, this isn't just sports anymore, right? This is a little bit bigger than just the game. So, I think that kind of changed my perspective a little bit on on what it is we actually do. And again, we're not, we're still not saving the world, but it's nice to be brighten somebody's day. Steve, I see all your uh, your social media posts about NHL events and whatnot, and I, and I watch them, and they're so cool. I'm like, wow, Steve's here, or Steve's there. It's really, really cool. <laughs> it, it's it's a lot of fun, and I think we all we all talk about it a little bit within the office because there obviously a ton of work, and and obviously we do a lot of work on the sponsor side. I can't imagine working for the NHL events team who puts these things on, and whether it's the entertainment team or like the event planning team, the logistics of like putting a hundred thousand people in a stadium and, you know, theming the whole thing and bringing in a musical act. Like I wouldn't even know where to start on that. So no chance I can do what those guys do. Obviously we can, we can try to support by having our partners chip in to help, you know, cover the cost of a lot of it and, and build their own campaigns. But there's times where you, you kind of get into it and you're like, you know what, like this is stressful. You get into the, like, the heat of it a couple of days out or a day out and you're freaking out. You have so much going on. Um, and then I find myself sometimes taking away and being like, like what's going on? Why are we doing this? But then, you know, on January 1st, when the puck drops at the Winter Classic and you see 100,000 people out there or, you know, at the All-Star Game or the Stanley Cup Final, whatever it is, then you kind of see people, it becomes more real. And that's where it's like, that's right. This is this is pretty cool. Like, this isn't just work anymore. Like, this is a pretty cool event to be a part of. So I think there's times where you kind of get beaten down a little bit and you're, you get sick of it. But then you take a step back and you're like, yeah, this is this is pretty cool. So kind of helps to bounce you back out a little bit. It's a much smaller scale, but I, I felt the same way with like uh, student council events when yeah. we put something on and you feel kind of like a, you feel pride and you feel that you've accomplished something really important, right? Well, 100%. I mean, it doesn't even matter the scale of the event because it's just when you, when you can see your ideas come to life. Uh, you know, I, I always use the, the reference of like when you see that 
you know, when you were sent, when we're sending emails in, you know, March, it doesn't seem like any, if you're sending emails back and forth, you're talking about ideas, whatever it is, but then you fast forward to an event on, you know, again, January 1st, that it's like, right. Like this started with a couple of emails where we were just doing our regular jobs and, you know, here we are, like we were at the cotton bowl this year in Dallas. And it's like, yeah, no, we're standing in the cotton bowl now and there's a hockey happening, you know, in, in Dallas, Texas. So it's true. When you can see your ideas come to life, uh, I, I think no matter what the scale is, it's awesome, right? You see your hard work kind of, you know, become a real thing. So it's definitely, definitely pretty cool. Steve, can't thank you enough for doing this. Really great speaking with you as always, hearing your story and insights that we could be talking probably for five hours, but <laughs> <laughs> we all have lives. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you, Steve, no. for this. Absolutely, man. This was great. I've been following the the kind of the series so far and, you know, seeing some of the guests on it. And it's been pretty cool. I've been trying to keep up on it and, and watch everyone. I think I'm I'm a couple episodes behind, but uh, it, it's great stuff you're doing, man. And it, it's a great way to take advantage of, you know, we, we've all got, we've all got lives, but we're also all kind of trapped inside a little bit. So it's a great way to use the time. It's a great way to put out content for people. So I think uh, I've been enjoying it. So I look forward to kind of obviously seeing this one, but then, you know, seeing the next ones after this. Oh, thanks, Steve. I had one quick thing before we go. I had so many yeah. texts me the other day and, uh, they said, "Oh, you're putting out too many episodes. I can't keep up." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "They're only they're only two or three a week, and they're short." Yeah, no, absolutely. But, it's uh, it, it's been pretty funny, and it's it's true. It's nice that they're not they're not super long. I mean, I think we all love listening to some podcasts, but when they're two hours, it takes a lot of time. This one, this one's perfect. You know, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and then you know you get the information, you get on with it. It's uh, it's good for the attention span for sure. Thanks, Steve, and that's it.